Welcome to the Brand the Interpreter podcast. I am your host, Mireya Perez, and this platform is dedicated to sharing the stories of language professionals, that is, the interpreters and translators from around the world. This show aims to highlight not just the profession, but mainly the people behind the amazing work. These are your stories about our profession, and this is the Brand the Interpreter podcast. Welcome back. This is Mariah, your host, and I am so happy and grateful that you're joining me again today for another great story from another great language professional. Today we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, from imagination to theaters to acting to being on stage to, of course, video game localization. Today, I have the great pleasure of sharing the story of Marina Ilari. Marina Ilari is an ATA-certified English-to-Spanish translator with over 15 years of experience in the translation industry. She has worked as a translator, editor, and quality assurance specialist for many companies around the world with a special focus on creative translations and video game localization. She is the chief executive officer of Terra Translations and co-host of the podcast about translation in Pantuflas. So, without further ado, here's Marina Ilari. Marina, it is such an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today. I am so excited to get started and to ask you all kinds of questions. But um, first and foremost, just thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you. The honor is all my, mine. I, I love what you're doing with your podcast. Um, I love how intimate the conversations feel and the production and everything. So thank you for doing such an amazing job. And I'm honored to be here with you. Oh my gosh, Marina, that means so much. You guys can't see me, but I'm having a total fan moment right now. So <laughs> thanks for saying that. <laughs> Marina, let's begin with um, going back a little bit and uh, into your childhood. I'd love to know what your favorite memory is growing up. Wow. What is my favorite memory? Well, when I was about four, um, I saw my father perform perform at a school play and it was very funny and it was very entertaining and from that moment on I was obsessed with everything theater um so oh. as a kid I always thought I would I would be working in theater <laughs> that was my dream growing up really um, and yes <laughs> you thought you were going to be on Broadway yes yes that's what that was my dream I um I did theater all, all growing up and I was part of a uh, comedy improv group uh, oh. throughout my adolescence. And now I guess it's important to mention though, that I, um, <laughs> I grew up in a very small town in the province of Santa Fe in Argentina. Uh, we didn't have many theaters there. In fact, we um, had only one movie theater, the Teatro Municipal. <laughs> that was it. Oh my God, this makes the story that much better. <laughs> I don't know why I had these dreams, but when I finished high school, I, I couldn't wait to go to Buenos Aires, you know, the big city, the capital, uh, to pursue theater. Uh. <laughs> that is so incredible. So you're from a small town that only has one theater, but then this 
big dream of being, you know, like in theater, like in Broadway and oh my gosh, I love it. So tell me, <laughs> what did you think? I mean, because four years of age is pretty young and yeah. to see your dad up on the stage, what were yeah. you thinking? Oh my gosh. I have that memory. It's like ingrained in my brain. Like it, like it happened yesterday. Like yeah. it was a revelation to me that someone could be on stage and make, make people laugh. And I, I was like, I want to do that. I want to be on stage and make people laugh and make people feel better. And like the whole thing to me was magical, you know, like using imagination to like transport people places, you know, through theater. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a very unconventional um, journey, I guess, to translation because I, I did end up studying translation afterwards. Right. No, <laughs> but, 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 and we'll get to that towards the, you know, towards later on, but I, I just, I love the way pieces connect in people's <laughs> lives because although it's a long ways from the theater, there is still like still some theatrical to yeah. where you ended up in life so yeah so I think theater, it, right like sometimes things seem so random right and right. then you connect the dots and you're like mm, I guess this makes sense because I did end up when I went to when, when I moved to Buenos Aires I ended up working in a uh, theater company that did plays in English so there were um, uh, we did three musicals um, every year uh, with this company they were all plays in English for people who were studying or learning English we did a lot of uh, for schools and things like that. Um, so I worked there for four and a half years. And I guess it was my, you know, link between theater and English and then deciding to go and pursue translation. Oh so I love so it. Somehow so somehow it's connected. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it, it, it always connects somehow. Definitely. <laughs> Let's go back to your childhood in Argentina. So you grow up mm -hmm. in Argentina and what, what is a fond memory that you have of, of the small town that you were in? For those of us that absolutely do not know the town back in, in the times when you were growing up, how would you describe mm -hmm. it? Oh, it was so nice. I even though I I wanted to go to the big city, like I always picture myself as you know, like Belle from the the Beauty and the Beast, the Beast <laughs> singing like there must be more than this provincial life. <laughs> that was like my my mindset, like growing up there in a small town. But in reality, um, I had a great childhood there. I am very thankful for it. I was always surrounded by friends. We were playing on the streets all day. Um, I developed great friendships. They're still my closest friends to this day. Um, so I have great fond memories for, from uh, growing up in a small town. Um, I loved it. Looking back, I'm just really thankful for it. To be able to grow up in something that um, is, is I think, just um, so close to your heart and to have fond memories. And I think that it it makes absolutely a difference when you're growing up and have yeah. these wonderful memories of your childhood because it helps to inspire the person that you at one point will become, um, <laughs> whether that be one yeah. way or the other, I think. So uh, I love that you're sharing that. I can only imagine what it's like growing up in a small town, um, you know, and just, and just having those childhood friends to this day, I imagine. Yes. Connected. Yeah. Still connected to them. Now, 
bring us into the moment where language was introduced in your life. So mm -hmm. I imagine that growing up in Argentina, the primary language was Spanish. When mm -hmm. was English introduced? Yeah, so my mother had um, an English institute. Um, so she was an English teacher for a really long time since I was a baby, basically. Uh, so I always went to study English at my mother's institute. And then she started um, working as a translator. Um, so I guess she was sort of my connection to the translation word world per se, and also to languages, um, to, to studying English. Mm. Um, yeah, so I guess she was, she was it, you know, she was my, my mentor, my inspiration. She, she's a very experienced translator and, um, she always insisted that I study English also from an early age. Yeah. Um, I always enjoyed it. Um, I, I actually, I thought many times of doing what my mother was doing, you know, becoming a translator, but I didn't want to follow exactly my mother's steps. You know, when you're young and you really want to follow your own path. <laughs> so even though I, I love languages and I did well in those subjects at school, I actually never imagined that I would be a translator. Um, I thought that was, you know, my mother's career, right. not mine. My mother's um, career. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I eventually, I mean, I gave in. I went in and studied translation and, and I loved it and I fell in love with it. And here I am working yeah. as a translator and you not as the, a theater actor. <laughs> <laughs> you get to the point where, you know, you just give in and say, fine, I'm, I'm, I, I'll do what I'm being led to do. But again, yeah. I go back to the fact that, you know, your two worlds do somehow collide and, and we're going to talk about how, how so in, in a bit, but I'm interested when you were out in Buenos Aires, so mm -hmm. you're doing this for four years and putting together mm -hmm. musicals. When was the moment that you realized or what happened? Do you remember a story that you realized I'm no longer going to do this? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so glad you're asking me this because there's one very specific moment <laughs> when I decided I'm not going to, to pursue theater anymore. And that was, um, I did, so while I was working at this theater company, we were touring around Latin America, mm -hmm. nonstop, <laughs> nonstop. We were sort of like the McDonald's of theater, like doing, you know, several plays per day, you know, um, and there was a, and I was sort of doing some translations on the side and considering, you know, like I had applied to the translate, like I was already thinking about, mm. hey, maybe I want to pursue this instead. Um, but there's one very specific moment the last year I had, um, I was there at the theater company when um, I, <laughs> I was about to go on stage. I was dressed up as a robot because that was the play for kids, you know. And so I was a robot. I'm dressed up as a robot um, at, in the theater wing about to go on stage. And I'm like, okay, oh, it's my turn. And I was like, oh, it's my turn to go in. And I'm like, at that moment, I realized, wow, why am I doing this? <laughs> wow. Like, I'm like doing all the sacrifice, going on tour, like um, being away for a really long time for my family, for my friends, like. You know, it was really hard work to, to, to work in this company. 
And the fact that I was not enjoying to go on stage, like that's the one part where I should be so excited to do. Right. And I was dreading it. And so at that moment, something clicked and I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do theater anymore. I <laughs> I did so many plays already. I like I experienced this. I love it, but it's not the the life I want to um to have, you know, like I was done with it. <laughs> done. I love the fact that you say I experienced it because I think that's w one of the things that I mostly admire about many people that go out and try different things so that they could determine for themselves whether that in fact is something that they want to pursue or not. And the fact yeah. that you said, you know, I, I experienced it, I tried it, and then there's this specific moment when you recall the feeling of I'm done after this, you know, like yeah. I, I'm so ready to move on. And yeah. I think that it, it yeah. that says a lot, you know, in terms of being able just to uh, do the things that you're thinking as a child of what mm -hmm. you think your life is going to look like in the future. Yeah. And then and sometimes when Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, I, so sometimes you're just holding on so tightly to that dream right. or, or that idea of something that you, you wanted so badly, you know, when you were young. But then when once you experience that reality and it just doesn't match who you are now, you know. Right. So um, so sometimes you just have to sort of let go of that and say, you know, that was that was something that I loved doing and I, I loved having, like you said, that experience. And but now, you know, life is taking me somewhere else and something else is making me happier. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And and not only that, but you are still making other people laugh and be happy even through what you're in now. And and I love that you said, you know, like it's it, you know, the moment when it's time to let go. And and mm. I would add when it's time to let go and allow that to evolve into whatever it's whatever is coming next, because that's yeah. in fact, what ended up happening. You let go, you didn't uh, fight to keep that and like, no, but this was my dream. And this is what I said I wanted to do kind of like right. when people go to school and get a degree and then, and then they <laughs> want to force their career or their lives to fit that because they did schooling in that specific you know, specialization or whatever. But right. in your case, you said, you know, like I'm letting go and allowed it to evolve into something bigger than you could have imagined. I, I, I'd like to think that it's something bigger because as a four-year-old, you know, are you thinking I'm going to create a podcast and I'm, you know, <laughs> going to make people laugh and I'm going to be behind the scenes in video games. And so let's get into that specifically because your life didn't in fact evolve. At some point you went from Argentina to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Was that schooling that brought you here? No, um, no. And again, um, going back to my life being like a series of dots that don't seem to make sense, but somehow make sense yeah. when you see the whole picture. Right. Um, I actually, no, I actually met my husband uh, through one of the, the crew members at the uh, theater company um, that I was working at. And uh, my husband is from the U.S. He's from Wisconsin. And so we met while I was working there at the theater and he was doing an interchange in Argentina. And, and we sort of dated for like, we did the long distance for a while. And, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> you ended. Also, it was we love ended up getting married brought... in 2009. So ah, we've been it was together love for a that brought while you now. to the US. We've, yeah. I've had a couple of other guests that have shared the same thing. <laughs> love brings them over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was I definitely love... love that brought me here to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. It was not the weather. I can tell you. <laughs> it wasn't the weather. Nope. <laughs> what was life like when you got here to Wisconsin compared to your life? in your small town of Argentina, or in Argentina, I should say? Yeah, I, I always consider myself a pretty adaptable person. So it wasn't a shock for me at all. I could like adapt. And I had been traveling for so long when I was doing theater. So I was kind of used to going from here to there. Um, um, but I, I mean, I still can't believe uh, all the places I've been to compared to where I come from, you know, like it's a it's a small town and it's very different from, <laughs> from all the other cities I, I've visited. Um, I think um, I've been able to adapt well because I like, um, I like big cities. I like um, the cultural and sort of artistic uh, things that you can do in a big city. I love that. So, too. yeah, but it was never a shock uh, to me. It was like kind of easy, actually, to adapt. Oh, that's great. Bring us to present moment, Marina. What is it that you specialize in right now? So right now I specialize in video game localization. Um, I've loved video games since I was very young. Um, I still play them. <laughs> I, I am I'm very passionate about working in this field. Um, I also enjoy, I really enjoy all the type of um, creative type of translations or transcreation type of work. Uh, but yeah, but video games is uh, where my passion is truly at. You got to Wisconsin and obviously I imagine you didn't just jump into video game localization. How did your career begin in um, the language profession? So I began, I actually began working with my mother. So I was helping her helping her out uh, with um, with projects, uh, translation, proofreading, a um, little bit of everything, mm. different subjects, sort of getting my feet wet in what I could like, you know, in the translation space. Um, but then in the, um, it was mid-2000s when I got my first big client by myself, you know, <laughs> and it was a video game company. I hadn't done any video game work uh, before that, but I got to work on this very large video game localization project. And I always say that that particular project really changed my life because it made me discover like my true passion in the translational world. Like I was not sure where I fit in, in the translational world. Like I like different mm. things. But when I found that, I was like, well, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I love this. <laughs> Explain so, why. And I, I'm still, you know, to this day, I still, it's still my favorite thing to do. Yeah. It, and it, it, you can see that, you know, in the work that it, just the information that you provide and the work that you do, you're able to see, um, you know, just your passion for it. But Tell us why you feel that this was the thing for you. What was it about it in that moment as you're working through, you know, the, the language, as you're working through the words and just the context of the information that you had in front of you? What was it that you mostly loved about it? 
Well, I think it definitely has that connection to my to, to my video game interests. So mm-hmm. I, I was already interested in, in, in games. So it seemed fascinating to me to be able to work uh, for these companies that I've been, you know, I've been playing their games. Like mm-hmm. um, it was like almost incredible that I would get to work on that. And then the whole um, creative aspect, I guess, it's, it was the hook for me. Um, uh, being able to localize video game dialogues and being able to have to, you know, to transcreate characters' names and like um, worlds and like all these things that um, make a video game, which are incredibly vast and complex. I also like that challenge. I like immersing myself in a new video game project and getting like super like into like this game's universe and like I really get into it and I and I love it. I <laughs> love some, that. For some reason I I just yeah, it clicks with me. <laughs> well, it's it's the way you you explain it, it almost feels like the creation of um, a theater play in a sense, right? You're putting together these characters and the dialogue and uh, you're, you're so going right. to present it, right? Yeah. So it's almost like you're explaining it. And it's like, maybe maybe it was that aspect that connected with you at the age of four or something, you know, because I feel like, yeah, like you're explaining these things and it's like, hey, it's kind of like a play basically, but you know, you're, you're so the- right. And you know, one thing I do is when I'm translating dialogues for example I like act them out right. I like say them out loud like I interpret these dialogues because I want to make sure that you know like they are um they sound supernatural and they're just right you know but yeah you're right it is connected it's very connected <laughs> I love it Marina what would you say through the course of your experiences in uh, just the different things to the moment when you got uh, to doing the video game um, localization and you, you started with all of that, what would you say has been your biggest challenge during your career? And what do you felt it taught you as a result? Oh, gosh, um, I think probably my biggest challenge has been um, when my mother and I decided to work together and to create our own company. So sort of join forces and actually found a company. Um, I'm a linguist. I hadn't gone to business school. I, I had a lot of um, insecurities, I guess, hmm. to overcome and so much to learn to be able to lead a team and to be able to have a successful company. And it's been an ongoing learning experience for sure to run a company. Yeah. But I guess my my biggest learning has been um, um, surround, surrounding yourself with people that you that you trust and that can complement you. So when you're working as a team, um, it is important to have that diversity in the team of people who can complement some of the things that perhaps you don't know very well or you, you're not an expert at. So they bring that in. And I think diverse teams are the best teams, you know, to work together. Um, but it's, an again, an ongoing learning experience. I love that. I think that also uh, when I think about it uh, in terms of uh, just your experience, when you say that it was you and your mom that created this uh, business together, joined forces basically, right, and brought this Mm -hmm. to life. I'm also thinking just in terms of um, 
just the, the, in gender terms, right? Because uh, I don't have many uh, female entrepreneurs that have come on the show to start their own companies. Uh, it's it's a very male dominated type of industry in terms of the business aspect. Now, yeah. you know, the freelancers and things like that, it's, you know, yeah. it's, I, I would say perhaps 50-50 or maybe more female, you know, um, oriented. Yeah, I, recently at the American Translators Association, they were saying, um, I think that about 87 of their members are women. Mm. So definitely, um, you know, female dominated in terms of the linguistic side of things, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the translator, the linguists, the people doing the, the actual linguistic work. But yeah, you're absolutely right. On the other on the other side, you sort of have like the CEO and the company owners and you look at the 20, you know, biggest translation companies in the world and I think you only find one CEO that is a, a woman. Right. And that to me is shocking. Right. <laughs> like we need more diversity at the top yeah. like as soon as possible. <laughs> We're already doing the work. Let's just Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like how come, you know? So yeah, we should definitely um, help each other and encourage each other, and and try to bring more diversity there. Um, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't seem right that uh, those numbers to me. Yeah, and this is an area, especially at that high of a percentage that you just shared, eighty seven percent. There should be more female entrepreneurs, more female business owners in this specific industry, I would say just because, you know, we were, we're the, the numbers are there, the numbers are larger, but that's um, right. I don't know what it is. We just don't bite the bullet. Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's complex. It's complex. Um, well, it's scary, right? Yeah. You mentioned it earlier yeah. very briefly. It's uh, you didn't know anything about business, you know, um, right. you're a linguist at heart. That was your thing. That's what we want to focus on. Right. So this is something that's way bigger than what we think that when we think we can manage. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about video game localization. Now I had one gentleman here uh, earlier in, in the um, life of the, of this podcast when uh, he came in and he gave us some insight into video game localization, but never from the female perspective, obviously this was a gentleman that came in. So I'd love to hear your take. I recently saw a video that you shared on one of the social media platforms and giving a little bit of history with regards to video game localization. And I felt that in that brief period of time, I learned so mm -hmm. much <laughs> with what you shared. So could you, for those of us that are video game challenged, could you give us a little bit of video game localization history, define what that is and uh, give us a basic understanding of what world we're entering when we talk about video game localization? Uh, great. Yeah, I, I listened to the episode with um, with Hugo um, and it was yes. great. So video game localization... Um, I think one thing that's important to 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 think about is that um, it's um, it's pretty complex. It seems um, like it's all fun and games to do uh, video game localization, but it's actually pretty complex in terms of technical abilities and the type of content that you might encounter. Um, you can be translating, you know, um, in so many different genres. Uh, within video game localization. It could be a sports game. It could be, 
you know, uh, a simulation for like uh, flying a plane, you know, <laughs> like, mm. it can be, you know, a fantasy world, a completely like made up world. Um, so you have to be pretty adaptable in terms of the type of content that you might encounter, because you could be working on dialogues or um, more creative type of content, but you also get, you know, like the manuals and other things that are more technical in nature, I would say. And you even get um, legal texts, uh, you know, like the terms and conditions, agreements. So, you know, it's pretty broad, actually. And um, so you... (laughs) I always say you need to like a good challenge, you know, to get into video game localization because it's not, um, I think from the outside, perhaps it looks like it's like, you know, silly and fun, and but it's actually pretty complex. Um, there are um, many things to take into account when you work with video game localization because it's a vi- visual uh, form of audiovisual form of art. So one of the biggest challenges is the, you know, getting the right context, get, getting the right reference um, for the text that you're t- translating. Um, you can no, never, you know, um, disassociate what you're translating with what the players are seeing or hearing on screen, you know? So that's a big challenge. You always have to be asking yourself if what you're translating or adapting, you know, is it going to work with what the players are seeing and hearing on screen? Um, so it's a like a, a, con- a constant, you know, be take, taking things into account, all these different factors into account and always be, uh, you know, putting yourself on the, on the gamer's shoes, you know, you know, how, the, how's the gamer going to perceive this? Um, what effect do I want them to have with this, you know, translation? Because a lot of adaptation is needed. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, things, things don't work uh, just with a literal translation. So you have to sort of adapt it and think about what's the effect this string or this uh, text wants to have with the gamer do they want them to laugh do they want them you know is it emotional is it you know like how can i adapt it in a way that it works like that in the target language and it's not just a translation and it feels like a translation you know like you want the gamers to be immersed in this world so yeah i could talk about this No, <laughs> for, I, for hours <laughs> fully gives me a visual i always i always tell everyone i am a visual learner so i have to be able to envision what it is that you're saying you know otherwise i it it's not going to stick but i love <laughs> the fact that you talk about you really have to get into uh you know the video gamers shoes basically and enter mm-hmm. what you know basically what would they be feeling or seeing or listening when um you know they're playing this game and so yeah. just for the audience that are they're hearing and aren't really sure still what this is so you i'm imagining it as you receive, you know, this project and you have to, do you watch the game first as it unfolds so that you can get into quote unquote uh, character? Here we go with the theater stuff again. <laughs> uh, is that what you have to do? Uh, well, it really depends. It depends on who you're working with and what type of project it is. Mm. Ideally, you would have access to the game, play the game, or at least, you know, see videos of the game. But it depends on where localization is uh, in the process. You know, sometimes it's um, it's more like an afterthought. So, um, you know, the, the English really version like perhaps is already and then done and published and and then you have access to that. That's great. But other times it's when the, the game is being developed. 
So you don't have access to the game. Um, and so that's when, you know, <laughs> experience comes, <laughs> comes mm-hmm. to play and, um, you know, being able to request the, the, the type of references that you need to be able to provide a, an accurate translation. You might ask for visual references, perhaps for a character you're adapting, or you might ask for more context, like what's, can you please, you know, expand on where these characters are, who they are, what are they doing, you know, everything, like as much information as you can get, um, the better, because otherwise the translation won't make sense. And sometimes you get... Uh, text that is completely out of context and it can mean so many different things depending on the context, depending on who is it that they're saying it, who are they saying it to, where are they, like all these questions that you have to be constantly asking yourself um, when you're translating, the, for example, the dialogues of the, of the video game. Yeah, and just because uh, it's a video game, doesn't it does not sound easy at all. It actually <laughs> sounds super complex. And I'm wondering for those listeners that maybe want to do a career pivot or a specialization pivot, or mm-hmm. for those that maybe just finish their translation schooling and they really want to hone in on Uh, something specific and they're listening to this episode and thinking that's it that's exactly what I want to do what would you recommend to that brand new translator that or you know seasoned translator but that wants to enter this field um, Mm -hmm. uh, or specialization what would what would be your recommendation what should they do first Great. Um, I have some recommendations for that Um, but first I I want to um, say another consideration for the video games because I, I um, started thinking about something else that's really important yeah. is that when you're translating um, games, you you might be translating something that is a huge part of of, um, of someone else's life, like the, the gamers, you know? Some gamers are super attached to the characters and the game's universe. Like they, they might spend hours and hours throughout the week or or even um, months playing this one game. So, so again, it's super important that the localizers truly understand and honor that high quality and that thoughtful translation for the gamers, because um, it is something that they're going to be exposed to, you know, for for really long periods of time. So uh, just another consideration, but yeah, something I would recommend um, first of all is to specialize, um, to do courses and, and specialize as much as you can. Because it's an industry that is constantly evolving. Um, so, so it is important to be, you know, at the forefront of what's happening with processes, with, with technology, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, like I was saying before, you, you to be a, a video game translator, you, you must like that good challenge. You know, every game is different. It's its own world, its own characters, its own style. And aesthetics, and then when once you're completely, you know, familiarized with one game's universe, you might need to sort of move on to a different project. And all that exhaustive, you know, like research that you did <laughs> for the previous game might not apply at all to this new game. You know, you're translating, so you will need to do that all over again. So you need to like that challenge, and that's. Content, constant change, I would say. You, you yeah. need to be very adaptable. Yeah. And then um, another recommendation I can give is to, if you're interested in, um, you know, starting 
uh, on this field is to look for companies that specialize mm. in video game localization. Sometimes they might um, give you a translation test, for example. So I would say use that test to practice your skills, to learn from any feedback, always ask for feedback. And um, that's a good way to, to, you know, start getting your feet wet in uh, video game localization, I would say. No, I love that. I think that's absolutely great advice. So definitely you would say, uh, you know, you, you're going to study the subjects or there are courses that could be taken specifically for this specialization, right? So they could begin mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many, right now, there are so many books, uh, blogs, webinars, there are postgraduate degrees, mm. so many great resources for someone who is interested in, in specializing in this field. It wasn't like that. Um, when I started out, I mean, really, there was nothing. There was nothing out there uh, right. when I started out. So you ha- you sort of had to learn by doing and practicing and making mistakes and yeah, <laughs> learning from your mistakes. You know, <laughs> and then, it was the and only way. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so funny. It's kind of like you know all the kids stuff now that comes out. But you know, when you have a, a brand new baby and there's all these things that help mom out, and I'm like what the heck? Like you guys have it easy now. Like <laughs> it's the same thing as well. It's just, just technology. It just takes it to a whole yeah. other level. But yeah. also in addition to specializing, I had, I had a guest previously, Rafa Lombardino that talked about uh, tools in technology um, and it, I'm sorry, uh, technology in translation. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. tools and technology is actually a, a book. She, <laughs> she, uh, she wrote about it, but uh, it's having this ability or rather uh, the understanding that technology is going to become a part of the process. So it's no longer, you know, pen and paper, basically. And so we we really have to yeah. b- begin to become comfortable with the use of technology and the integration. Obviously, if you're looking into video games and you're not considering the technology aspect, well, then, yeah, I would say let's maybe yeah. we should reconsider, right? But you would say, yeah. how comfortable do you have to be with uh, the types of technology that you need in order to be able to get into the field. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, technology is super important. I mean, all these companies work with translation software, and they might um, they might use like one of the the, the most known um, CAD tools in the market, but they might use like their own platform or their own system for doing it. So you um, you definitely have to like and be friends with technology Mm -hmm. if you want to work in that field for sure I want to get into Marina now what I do not I do not pretend to know what it has been but I know I was super excited when I saw some information on um online with regards to something that just a highlight I feel for your career. But I want to ask you that question and have you share it because I feel that there's been so many great moments that that have been happening lately to highlight not just you as the individual but also the work that you do. And so the question is, what has been your biggest highlight during your career? I mean, whether that be lately or, you know, a while back. Well, let me see. Um <laughs> I guess I guess one of the biggest highlights was getting certified by the American Translators Association. I 
I worked very hard and practiced a lot mm. to, to be able to pass that exam. So I'm very proud of that achievement. And then more recently, um, another highlight would be that I finished a, a postgraduate degree um, as an expert in video game localization. And um, yeah, it was a lot of work also. Um a lot of, of hours. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think I didn't anticipate that it was going to take um, so much, so, so much of my time and effort, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, I did it. I finished it. And, and I feel very proud to have accomplished that. You should be. That is a lot of hard work, especially when you've got little ones or a home and a career. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You're working full time, you know, oh, after sure. getting the kids to bed, you know, in the evenings, I was basically working on this. So yeah, it was a lot of work. Yeah. I <laughs> love it. I love how, I also love the fact, you see guys, this is why I was absolutely thrilled that Marina accepted the invitation because she's just so humble and, you know, she does so much and, and, you know, she, she focused more on, um, you know, the things that she's worked so hard to do and accomplish for herself. But then I recently read, uh, Marina, that you were featured in the Milwaukee magazine for um, women of distinction, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> thank you. And there's another great moment, but talk to us, bring us to that moment when you got the news that, you know, this was happening. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, like? I mean, it was pretty surreal to me because, um, you know, I am, I've been living, I've lived in Milwaukee now for seven years. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I live here definitely, but I'm originally from Argentina. So it was like a super great honor that people from the Milwaukee magazine <laughs> thought that I would be a good candidate for women of distinction of the, the city of Milwaukee. It was a huge honor. Um, so yeah, I was super, you know, super happy and proud to, to be featured there. I love um, that. Yeah. <laughs> what did this, did someone call you and say, did someone email you or yeah. what was that moment? Because I know when I get just like, for instance, if I, if someone like you says, yeah, I'll be on the show, I am jumping around and, you know, behind the screen, like, yes, she said, yes, this is so amazing. <laughs> so, what was that like for you at that moment? I, I, yeah, they reached out to me. Um, they wanted to talk to me. So they um, interviewed me a couple of times and, it was, <laughs> it was just like, um, I was just really happy that they right. thought of me and very honored, you know? Awesome. Um, but yeah, I was certainly like, I couldn't believe it, especially when I saw the magazine, you know, the actual copy and I was like showing it to my kids. Like that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's me on a magazine. That's so great. <laughs> And then, so you now, but now here we go where I, where I always, and I love this part of the show because here is where your past experiences um, and all your background and the memories of your childhood and things that we bring, bring out all collide somehow into, um, you know, whatever your present or your near future is going to be. And I also just recently read that you will be uh, featured in season two of the social movement, which <laughs> yes. really focuses on solving issues impacting humanity. Marina, this is so yeah. incredible. You're going to be yeah. on TV. <laughs> I still can't believe that. Honestly, I thought it was a mistake when they contacted me. <laughs> 
I thought they meant to contact someone else. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the imposter syndrome that we always talk oh, about on here. Oh, my gosh. I live with that every day. And the imposter syndrome is, yeah, it's a thing. What was that like? Bring us to yeah, that moment. I, live, live I, again, I couldn't believe they reached out to me. Um, they wanted to interview me. The, one of the producers wanted to interview me uh, for the show. And at first I didn't know what, what, what it was about. So I went in, I was like, oh, this is like, like a TV show that's going to be shown on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. And like, like, this is like a, you know, a big production. So I did the first interview, didn't think much of it, but then they wanted to meet with me again. The executive producer wanted to meet with me again. And, and they thought I was a good fit, I guess, for, for what they were looking for. I was, um, so I guess they were looking for diverse type of entrepreneurs that, um, that are passionate about what they do and they want to see, um, you know, make a difference in the world and um, wow. help solve one of uh, some of the world's biggest problems. So the promise of the show is that they um, have different teams that are going to be working during four days um, solving or creating a business plan that solves or aims to solve some of the world's uh, pressing issues, like um, the big issues, like and poverty and, you know, and racism and, um, and cyberbullying, empower women. So like they're, they're super big issues. Oh um, and they seem, you know, impossible to resolve. And I think that's the, that's the idea of the show that you have these four days with a team of 10 people to create a bus- a viable business plan to solve one of these issues. And then, um, and then I guess, they will vote and uh, one of the businesses will actually come to life. So there will be investors that will oh invest in the business. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it seems like it's such an amazing project. Like it's a, it's a show that I would watch, you know? So um, I am just like really excited to be able to be part of it. I am, yes, you should be. I'm going to give it my all. We'll see. <laughs> oh, you do that. And we're, we're definitely all going to be uh, your fans and supporters there, biting our nails, see what happens. But oh I am my goodness. Yeah. super thrilled. I, I was so excited when I read that. I thought, oh my gosh, Marina is going to be on the social movement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I joke with my I joke was joking with my friends the other day and I was saying like I just hope I'm not one of those like reality TV people who are like crying on camera you know all the time throughout the show <laughs> because I pictured myself being like I can't solve the issue I just can't do it and just like sobbing on screen <laughs> like excuse me can we cut that out please let's just yes. edit this out thanks please edit it that. out <laughs> I love it. This is so exciting. You went uh, from a four-year-old sitting in a theater, watching your dad uh, make other people laugh, to Buenos Aires doing musicals, to the United States about to go worldwide. And I just, I just find it to be such an incredible story, Marina. And I am so oh, excited. Thank you. 
and uh, just such an honor to have you and just proud to be connected with someone so inspiring. So I really do, even though a lot of people, it's funny that a lot of people say me inspiring, but you are, you're inspiring many of us, you know, to, to pursue that dream, you know, particularly with your particular story about experiencing something until you realize that it's a definite no. And I want to ask you, Marina, how has your life turned out differently than you had imagined? In your words, we can already <laughs> sort of visualize that. But in your words, <laughs> knowing now oh. where you came from to where you're at, how's, how has it turned out differently? Well, I don't know. I, um, I guess I never picture myself having a family, for example. That's something I was like, because I'm the eldest of my siblings and... Um, I always thought I was, you know, not going to have kids and just focus on being in theater. Like that, it, I guess that was my idea of what it was going to be like. And then, then I met my husband and that changed. Then I ended up having two kids and I love to be a mom after all. So in some ways, I guess it turned out differently than I imagined, but in a good way. And in other ways, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I look back and I'm like, it sort of makes sense, I guess, that I'm that I'm where I am. Right. Because of the things I always liked and the things yeah. I put efforts in and the things I've been passionate about. And um yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it does seem pretty random, but but I'm I'm happy. I yeah, guess that's important. <laughs> it is very important. And I think that, you know, as a parent, that's something that it's difficult to put in words to be able to tell uh, your child, particularly when they're at a young age, um, you know, this whole notion of if, if, if you can dream it, you can do it, you know, if you can, if, if that's what you want to do or do whatever it is that you, you, you feel your heart yeah. feels that you want to do, what would you knowing these experiences all come together at some point, Marina, what would you say you would give to your children now uh, having this, these experiences throughout your life? I think you just said it, like if you put your mind to it and you work hard and like um, you're focused and you're, you're a good helper also to the people who surround you, you're kind, you, you can basically do whatever it is that you want to do and, and you want to pursue. And I hope that I inspire that for my kids. My my seven-year-old now wants to be a YouTuber for st streaming, streaming, um, playing Minecraft. Mm. Uh, and I try to be, you know, <laughs> encouraging of those dreams if that's what he wants to do, you know? <laughs> right. I, you know, like, I, I'm like, yeah, that's great. And let's talk about how you want to do it and how would you do it? And let's, like, I try to sort of um, encourage them to pursue whatever, whatever it is that makes them happy. I love that. And it's beautiful because, um, again, like we talked about just now, how that evolves. It doesn't, the way we see it is so linear, right? Yeah, the way exactly. It actually evolves is so non-linear. So I love You're that you so say right. That. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry too much about the, the, the road, you know, like just focus on where you want to be, the destination and work towards that. And don't worry too much about like, oh, but how am I going to get there? Oh, I cannot make that. That's too much. Like, oh, I'm never going to be able to, you know, go just like focus on this is what you, what I want to do. Like visualize yourself doing that and work so, towards that. And like you get there eventually, you know, like step by step. Um, Yeah. And don't like put your own blocks 
in, in the road, you know? <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah, we do. We, we tend to create uh, our own roadblocks and, you know, with our self-imposed limitations. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, yeah. I just, I feel that, yeah, the, the older I get too bad that I have to say that, Why did you think about this when I was in my 20s? But the older I get, the more I realize this was so true. You know, it's just, it is about, um, you know, feeling that fear. I've said it here before and doing things anyway, um, in spite of yeah. the fear. And so I think that's definitely the lesson for today. You have definitely been a source of kindness and inspiration. And I hope that people that are listening uh, to today's show also get that sense of inspiration after our conversation to go and do that thing that they've always felt that they've wanted to do because why not? Because why not? Yeah. I yeah, say exactly. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I second that. What new or future project are you currently working on that you would like to share? Now, Marina, for those of you that do not know, is also a fellow podcaster. And she has this hilarious um, podcast with a co-host. Uh, Paola, Paola Medrano. Yeah, it's called M pantuflas, uh, which means in slippers in Spanish. So it's a podcast we have in Spanish. We only have a couple of episodes in English. Um, most of them are in Spanish. Uh, but yeah, we've been doing that podcast with Paola for over three years now. And uh, it's uh, sort of our passion project, you know, yeah, we, we really enjoy doing it. I love that. What, what future projects are you uh, working on currently that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, so many things. Um, I think we talked about some of the of the, the, the things coming, but Ooh, yeah. um, I am also uh, working on a um, e-learning course. Um, uh, the company Nimsy Insights um, asked me if I would be willing to do a course on selling your services as a translator. Um, again, at first I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know if I'm the right person like I've never like taught at school or university like I'm not a teacher um but they thought I would be good at doing that so so I'm preparing that and I asked them if, if I could you know put my own like style to it you know add some humor and they were like super supportive and you know gave me all creative um uh, decisions so so I'm working on that and uh, again this is a passion project I'm not getting anything for this, just like trying to share, you know, my experience and hopefully help other translators with some tips and some recommendations. Um, but yeah, and then I'm, I'm excited to continue working with my team, uh, to continue growing. I have a great team. Um, feels like a, a big family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they're, they're the reason I feel so inspired to to push forward and to, to want to continue to be the best that I can in, in what I do. Well, I personally am very grateful. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, and very honored to have you here today. I thank you so much for having shared your story here on the podcast and uh, le letting us a little bit into your world and um, understanding it a little bit more of where Marina comes from and what it is she's doing and the reasons why. It's been a very inspiring story and episode. And I hope that, uh, like I said earlier, many also enjoy it. But before we go, Marina, where can our listeners find out more about you and the work that you do? 
Thank you so much, Mireya. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I would continue talking to you for hours. You're so nice. So people can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Um, you can also find um, the the Empantuflas podcast if you speak Spanish. We do some karaoke videos with Paola also. So if you want to laugh with us or at us, uh, you can watch those. <laughs> We try to bring some humor, you know, to the things that that, that we do. So are those on um, YouTube, where are those? Yeah, yeah, those are on YouTube. Okay. So you can search for Empantuflas podcast on YouTube and see some of those ridiculous videos. You might not take me seriously anymore after that. <laughs> but is there anywhere else, uh, just LinkedIn and uh, your YouTube, or anywhere that they can go directly to find um, the podcast? Um, so the podcast is. Um, en slash pantuflas and uh, .com uh, and the podcast can be found everywhere Spotify, iTunes um, yeah just typing in pantuflas but yeah if you want to connect with me directly I think LinkedIn would probably be the best way I'm pretty active there absolutely well Marina once again uh, I want to thank you and uh, let you know that I'm super appreciative uh, super enjoyed today's conversation and I hope in the near future we can touch base again thank you so much Mireya this was so fun and it's called En Pantuflas <laughs> and it's called En Pantuflas I can't say it En Pantuflas En Pantuflas <laughs> I am so edited. I love it. You say it the way you say it is the best. I swear I speak Spanish. Okay, you tell us the name. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the very end. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and click on the connect with me tab. You can also stay connected on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as Brand the Interpreter or Mireya Perez on LinkedIn. Till next time.